Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare. But through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. There's a lot going on in the news. Justice Thomas, Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court, his wife, this is just wacky stuff coming out about his wife and her text messages with Mark Meadows trying to tear down our republic. You know, Thomas needs to be impeached. We'll get to that. Mitch McConnell says he's not going to vote for Judge Jackson, but beer bong Brett and handmaiden Amy were just fine. We'll get into that. Uh, the right-wing media is now starting to go all in for Putin. This is a pretty shocking development. I'll tell you about that today. Also, Vladimir Zhirinovsky, the founding grandfather of modern Russian fascism, died today in Moscow. I have a story about Zhirinovsky I'll share with you. And also, whatever happened to Tulsi Gabbard? I mean, she's tweeting against Judge Jackson now and still calling herself a Democrat. I'm just baffled by this. Also, it's now clear that Trump's team all conspired to encourage the actual attack on the Capitol and some just extraordinary evidence coming out that Rolling Stone has laid out. I'll share that with you. But I want to start out with what's going on, probably the, you know, short of what's going on in Ukraine. Obviously, this is a terrible situation. Now we're, we're learning that at least 300 people, this was mostly women and children who were in this theater in Mariupol and where they had the word children in Russian spelled out in, you know, f three foot high letters in the, or, or very, very large letters in the, in the parking lots on both sides of the building so that, you know, please don't bomb us here. And of course, they bombed them there. It looks like at least 300 out of that thousand people who were there are dead. And we're just now starting to get some video out of there. This city has been devastated by this Russian attack. It is just so wrong. But at the same time that that is going on, now we're learning that Ginny Thomas actually was 
participating with Mark Meadows, or at least encouraging Mark Meadows. She's the wife of a Supreme Court justice. The wife of the only Supreme Court justice, by the way, who voted no on turning Trump's papers over to the January 6th committee. Clarence Thomas was the only no vote. Now, you would think that he would have recused himself, given that his wife was right in the middle of this, she was one of the organizers of the rally, or participated in helping you know, bring people to the rally, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that she was, I mean, this is crazy, right? But he didn't recuse himself, and, and frankly, I think he needs to be impeached. You can impeach Supreme Court justices. It's never been successfully done. Only one has been uh, impeached in the House, not removed in the Senate. And that was back in the 1790s, as I recall, maybe the 1810s, right around that time. 1800, plus or minus 10 years. Uh, but uh, Sarah Lipton Lubey is the executive director of Take Back the Court Action Fund. And uh, she points out, quote, given that Justice Thomas has already made known he won't recuse himself from cases related to his wife's right-wing activism and the damning evidence of his wife's involvement in this attack on our democracy, uh, Thomas is clearly unfit to serve on the nation's highest court. Clarence Thomas must immediately resign from his seat on the Supreme Court. If he refuses, she adds, Congress must move to impeach him. And one member of Congress so far, and I'm guessing we will hear from more soon. Uh, this is uh, Representative Ilhan Omar, the Democrat from Minnesota, and you know one of the really great members of the U.S. House of Representatives. She has uh, said it's time for Thomas to be impeached, and I'm completely with her on that. Um, this uh, Sarah Sarah Lipton Lubet of uh, Take Back the Court Action Fund said. Um, uh, Oh, actually, this is Mehdi Hassan on MSNBC. He said, what would Republicans be doing if they held a House majority and say Justice Sonia Sotomayor's spouse had supported attempts to block a duly elected Republican president from taking office and Sotomayor refused to recuse herself from related cases? Well, we know what they would be doing. They would be, they would be calling for blood. In one of these uh, 29 messages that the news outlets have seen, and by the way, these are not necessarily all of the messages between Thomas and, and, um, and Mark Meadows. This is one from November 10th. This is after the election. Quote, help this great president stand firm, Mark. You are the leader with him who is standing for America's constitutional governance at the precipice. The majority knows Biden and the left is attempting the greatest heist in our history. This is the wife of a Supreme Court justice. Meadows uh, wrote to her on Mar November 24th, this is a fight of good versus evil. Right. There's 21 of these messages from Thomas to Meadows, eight from Me Meadows to Thomas. Uh, Th Thomas is, Ginny Thomas again, she says, the Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now and over coming days and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition. Are you getting it that this is a woman who is on the board of multiple multi-million dollar right-wing foundations and organizations who is helping to shape the political discourse in the United States and has been for decades and who is the wife of a Supreme Court justice? Talking about the Biden crime family being put on a barge off Gitmo? And then Bob Woodward on Morning Joe says, well, you know, Democrats do this kind of stuff, too. Really? 
She goes on to say, House and Senate guys are pathetic, too. Only four Republican House members seen out in the street rallying with grassroots. Where the heck are all those who benefited by the president's coattails? Yeah. She also was apparently a big fan of Sidney Powell, you know, the Kraken lawyer, the, this crazy right-wing lawyer who, who uh, had, was promoting these bizarre theories. I mean, she was out there talking about how there were watermarks on the ballots in Arizona that proved that they were printed on bamboo paper in China. I mean, seriously, and when, in fact, that watermark thing is one of the things that Ginny Thomas retweeted or, or texted to Mark Meadows about. She says, Sidney Powell and improved coordination will now help the cavalry come and fraud exposed and America saved. She also tells Mark Meadows, you need to listen to Rush, Mark Stein, Pongino, Cleta. And, and Meadows replies, I will stand firm. We will fight until there is no fight left. Right. On November 24th, Jimmy, Ginny Thomas writes, I can't see Americans swallowing the obvious fraud. She's talking about the election of President Joe Biden. Just going with one more thing with no freaking consequences, the whole coup, and now this, we just caved to people wanting Biden to be anointed. Many of us can't continue the GOP charade. And she adds, we are living through what feels like the end of America. Most of us are disgusted with the vice president. Oh, my God. Most of us are, dis are disgusted with the vice president and are in a listening mode to see where to fight with our teams. Amazing times, the end of liberty. This is the wife of a sitting Supreme Court justice. This is... This is beyond, I mean, this is bizarre beyond the pale. I, 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 I lack words to describe it. It's just absolutely astonishing. Anyhow, I've got a few more stories to share with you as we continue through the day, but uh, let's pick up some of your phone calls here. Andre in Chicago. Hey, Andre, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. How you doing? Good. What's up? Thank you for having me. Well, I want to say this here. I want to say that uh, just to name a few, Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, Joe Pyle, Donald Trump partnered them, so those guys didn't serve out their full recommended sentence. That's what the response should have been in the Katanji's hearing when they asked her about giving out these low sentences, because these guys didn't serve out their full sentence either. I think yeah. that would have been a perfect, perfect response. And I think that the Congress needs to, even if it's unsuccessful, they need to haul Jenny uh, uh, Thomas in for a hearing and uh, and grill her on this situation. And then if she doesn't want to sit before the 6-1 committee, then they ought to seek to have Thomas removed so that Joe Biden can appoint a second Supreme Court justice. I think they should initiate impeachment hearings against Thomas immediately. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, th this has been going on for a long, long time. Thomas and Scalia okay. used to go out and address, you know, the, the, the billionaire networks and stuff. They'd, they'd travel around the country and do these these gigs, uh, you know, I mean, the, the conflicts of interest, um, Scalia was particularly egregious with regard to all this stuff, you know, going duck hunting with Dick Cheney just a few weeks before he ruled in Dick Cheney's favor. You can't do that on any other federal bench. It's it's just such a violation of, of, of ethics. So I, I think he should be impeached. Andre, thank you for the call. Um, spot on. Jeff in Atlanta. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Hey, well, yeah, it seems like the elephant in the room, but I don't know, and I wish somebody would explain to me how we're going to survive as a democracy 
if there's no accountability for Donald Trump, you know, I mean, I sure, I sure you're concerned. I share your concerns, Joe. Yeah. This this guy I mean, should be in jail got, right now. He incited he incited yeah. a rebellion against the United States. I mean, New York has checked out, apparently. I don't hear anything from Merrick Garland. We got a DA here in Atlanta. It shouldn't be up to poor DA uh, Fannie Willis is apparently the only person in the United States actively pursuing any consequences for Trump. And, and I just don't see how we're going to make it. Right. She's, she's doing lost. the criminal charges down there in Georgia. Uh, Letitia James in New York State is doing civil charges against Trump. But okay. the, the criminal charges were being pursued by the district attorney of New York City. And uh, Alvin Bragg got elected. He's the new DA. Somebody called and said that they had called his office and said, hey, how come you're letting Trump off? And his office said, oh, no, that's still an open investigation. But then after I got off the air... I saw a news story that the people who had come in and testified against Trump or had provided documentation against Trump, you know, his bookkeepers and things like that, that documentation is being returned to them by District Attorney Bragg's office right now, apparently. Now, I haven't verified that. I've seen it in a couple of different news sources, but I didn't get it off like the New York Times or Washington Post. So it may not be accurate, but I believe it, it, it to be or probably is. And I want to know what's going on with Alvin Bragg. Why is this guy, you know, uh, willing to cut Trump a, a, a pass? It, it just, it's, something smells wrong here, Jeff. Jeff, thanks a lot for the call, and good on, good on your, uh, your DA down there. Anita in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Anita, what's up? Hi, Tom. The Judge Jackson hearings, you heard a lot of these people like uh, Lindsey Graham, the Republicans, talk about this other woman, this black woman that they wanted to nominate. Do you remember her name? No, I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Well, I know you pointed out that she was kind of a right-wing nut job. Yes. You know, and, and, and the thing is, they will vote for a black person, but they will only vote for a black person that will provide cover for them as a, for white supremacy. Like Clarence Thomas. They did that with Clarence Thomas. So they yeah. could, you know, point to, point to Clarence Thomas and say, see, we're not racist. It was Janice Rogers Clarence Brown, Thomas. by the way, that, 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 that they were talking about. And she okay. did serve. Well, she she was ultimately appointed to the court. It was an appeals court, and she was and she served for about twelve years, as if my recollection serves me right. Yeah, and they had plenty of time to nominate her. Yeah. You know what was it? That was in like two thousand three. Well, it, I, th I think that nomination was stalled for two years by Democrats filibustering her nomination, and her nomination was the one that caused Mitch McConnell to say, "Okay, we're going to change the Senate rules so you can no longer filibuster a federal judge." So Mitch McConnell changed were. those rules, and she got in, and then and then of course he used that changing those rules to put, what, something like 300 judges on the court during Trump's yeah. time? Well, they seem very angry that they didn't get to put their black person in. I mean, it's like they're like they, they think black people are interchangeable. You yeah. know, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's really insulting. She would have she would have provided what they want is black conservatives to provide cover for them. So they'll continue to vote for white supremacy like Clarence Thomas does. Yeah, it's a tough one, Anita. I. I don't well, know enough about Judge Brown's positions on issues, uh, particularly issues that have to do with race. But I, well, I can't dispute your assertion that, that you know, the, at the very least, they want, you know, right-wing judges, and, and they're willing to be colorblind if somebody's sufficiently hard to the right. Well, they have, like, Candace Owens, who constantly says racist things. This is what they, th this is what they like. They want black people to provide you know, so they can turn around and say, well, we're not racist. We like Candace Owens. Yeah. But yeah. Candace Owens, 
will, you know, say the most racist things possible. And they just, they, Fox News does it. They'll bring on some black conservative to say something racist. So they, because they can't, as white people, they won't do it. But they, they use this black person to, you know, voice their own racism. It may well be, Anita. I'm a little uncomfortable with two white people, I believe you are, you know, debating the racism of black people. Like, you know, it's, I, I, I well, rather, you don't think that Candace Owens has said some racist things? I don't, I don't know enough about her, frankly, to know that. I, I know that she's a hardcore conservative, but, you know, whether she's a racist or not, or, or a, a, a black racist or whatever, I, I, I just, I can't say. Anita, thank you for the call. I think we need a little more diversity in that conversation. We'll be right back. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, now it's becoming clear that Donald Trump's team not only, you know, organized or and helped organize the whole rally thing in the Capitol on January 6th of, of 2020, 2021, but they also were actually planning for all those people to go down to the Capitol and, and raise hell. They wanted to have a march to the Capitol. They wanted to intimidate Congress. And uh, Rolling Stone has a, a lengthy article about this today, and it's really worth reading. Uh, and in this article, Scott Johnson uh, explains that the goal was to make it look like they went down there on their own, was the phrase that, that Scott Johnson uses, uh, to make it look like the march from the Trump rally to the Capitol and then the invasion of the Capitol and then trying to stop the vote and, and killing Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi, that was all spontaneous. And Trump kind of got ahead of his skis in this when he actually said 
Let's go down to, you know, let's go, I'm going to march with you. We're going to go down there. Uh, but uh, Johnston says that he overheard Mark Meadows. Now, Mark Meadows, by the way, is denying this. And in his book, Mark Meadows minimized this. He said that in his book, it was just, quote, the actions of a handful of fanatics across town, end quote, which is an obvious lie. But hey, Mark Meadows lying? You know, he was a Republican. He was a member of the Freedom Caucus. He was, you know, he, Donald Trump picked him to be his chief of staff. Of course he lies. But anyhow, Mark Meadows uh, was having a conversation, according to Johnston, who was there, with Katrina Pearson, Trump's national campaign spokesperson, talking with Kylie Creamer, the executive director of Women for America First, about plans to march to the Capitol. This is from the, the Rolling Stone. Johnson said the conversation was clearly audible to him since it took place on a speakerphone as he drove Kremer between the group's rallies in the final three days of 2020. He says, quote, they were very open about how there was going to be a, a march. Everyone knew there was going to be a march. Right. They even talked about getting a permit for a march. In these phone call conversations that he overheard, this was Meadows, Pearson, and Creamer. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, K-R-E-M-E-R. -E I think it's, maybe it's Kremer. But they talked about it. They decided against it, he said, he, he tells us in this Rolling Stone piece, because the security costs would be high. See, when you get a permit for a march in Washington, D.C., you have to pay for the security. And they didn't want to pay. And Trump certainly wasn't going to pay out of pocket. He never pays for anything. So, you know, Trump is swearing that this thing was not pre-planned, the march on the Capitol. Meadows wrote in his book it wasn't pre-planned. But Representative Mo Brooks, who gave a speech at the rally that preceded it, uh, revealed that there was going to be so much violence that he was going to wear body armor, which he did. Mo Brooks, member of Congress, Republican from Alabama, showed up to give a speech wearing armor plating under his, under his coat, wearing a bulletproof vest. Now, and, and, and at that, he was standing behind bulletproof glass. You'll recall Trump didn't wear a bulletproof vest because he was standing behind inch-thick bulletproof glass, which is something you almost never see in these kinds of rallies and speeches. These guys were not only planning violence, they were hoping for violence, in my humble opinion. Johnson also revealed that the rally organizers were constantly using burner phones uh, Johnson told Rolling Stone, I, I know because I'm the one who bought the burner phones. So he's running down to Radio Shack or whatever, picking up burner phones for the Trump people, which raises the question, why are they using burner phones? I think it's fairly clear. They were conducting an illegal activity. Now the question, as that person from Finland was pointing out over on Talking Points Memo, the whole world is watching. You had an attempted coup in the United States. Are you going to hold these guys accountable or not? The other story I wanted to share with you, which I think is just extraordinary, and uh, you know, put it on your radar screen, Tulsi Gabbard. I remember back, which election was that, that she was running for president? Was that 20, uh, it was 2016 or 2012? I guess it was 2016 that she was running on the Democratic ticket. And, you know, I had her on the program. And after I had her on the program, we, we had a, uh, back then there was a, a, a fellow in Hawaii who was a regular caller to the show. I haven't heard from him in a year or so. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's uh, still around or maybe moved or whatever, but 
Um, but he sent me a note saying, uh, be really careful. Uh, she represents me, I'm familiar. And he was an activist inside the Democratic Party in Hawaii. And he said, there's something, there's something weird about this person. And uh, she's not what she seems. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't like, you know, go on the attack against her or anything like that. I just basically, you know, started listening really carefully and got it that there really was something weird going on with Tulsi Gabbard. Well, now she is coming out trashing Judge Jackson. And she says, in order to have a Supreme Court committed, this is her tweet, uh, committed to protecting the rights of all Americans, including women, every justice needs to understand that there is such a thing as a woman as distinct from a man. Yet when asked to define the word woman, Supreme Court nominee Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson said, I don't know. Actually, what she said was, I don't know, I'm not a biologist. Anyhow, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy and absurdity of this is that she was nominated by President Biden in large part because she was a woman. This is Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who has been more often than not also taking, you know, uh, Putin and Russia's side on many of these issues. And I'm, I don't get it. I, I, maybe it's just that she's got a new gig on Fox News, that she's the Democrat who can go on Fox News and say things that Fox News once said. Um, maybe I'm missing things altogether. Maybe, maybe she is a, a great Democrat, but... It strikes me that a genuine Democrat would not be trashing the first female black nominee who is far more qualified than many people who are actually sitting on the Supreme Court right now um, in this gratuitous way that feeds into basically, I mean, the, the, the subtext of this is trashing trans people. That's, that's really what this is all about, what Tulsi Gabbard is doing. And uh, I, I just... I think it's so unfortunate. And, and I think it's unfortunate that Fox News is constantly putting her on and calling her a Democrat. But, you know, it's a free country, I guess. So Mitch McConnell says that he's going to vote no on Judge Jackson. You know, beer bong Brett was just fine, who was yelling and screaming and blubbering and saying, you know, what comes around, comes around, comes around, goes around, whatever. Basically vowing revenge on Democrats for exposing the fact that he had apparently assaulted multiple women when he was in, in high school. Uh, that was fine. Handmaiden Amy, that was fine. I mean, literally, she came from a religious cult that called their women handmaidens. Not making this up. You can look it up. She was fine, but a black woman, oh, Mitch McConnell is like, oh, no, we can't, we can't have that, Mitch Paternal. Um, the, the, that's the bad news. The good news is that, that uh, Joe Manchin has come out and said that he's going to vote for Judge Jackson. And um, so odds are there are no, I mean, you know, he's, he's about as outlier an outlier as you can get right now in the, among the Democrats in the Senate. So I think that she's going to get on the court. Um, but it's just so sad that it's come to this, you know, and it's so sad that these Republicans were using her nomination as an opportunity to grandstand and, and do their early electioneering for this year. It's, it's, it, it's, it's tragic in a way. Also, the right-wing media have gone completely bonkers. This is from the writing, you know, the, this is the, uh, they, they send out a, a newsletter every day. Uh, the writing, T-H-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G dot com is the website. Um, and it's free. You can sign up for it. It doesn't even have advertising, which is pretty impressive. And in fact, their headline, their, their subhead is alerting liberal audiences to today's headlines from the right. And uh, PJ Media is running a story with the headline, 
Beware of those indiscriminately cheering for Zelensky. Now, Zelensky is leading a country that is under attack from another country and is in a state of an emergency. When you're in a state of emergency, um, you don't quite have all of the free speech protections and everything else that you would have normally. And, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to, well, it's clear Zelensky is anything but a democratic leader. In a true democracy, people are free to express any opinion at any time, in public and in private. They can also speak out against their political leaders and work to remove them from office. The democracy in Ukraine is not at all like that, uh, or not all free like is not at all free like that. Well, yeah, you're in a war. You're in, I mean, just, but then, I mean, this is not an outlier here. The PJ Media, the, the American conservative, the headline, Washington helped trigger the Ukraine war. Oh yeah, it's our fault. Don't you hear? Don't you get it? Uh, World Net Daily, Zelensky is a failed leader. Over at the uh, American Greatness website, the headline is, Washington doesn't want peace in Ukraine. All of a sudden, Putin talking points are being echoed across right-wing media. It's amazing. By the way, one of the stories uh, from, uh, this is from Big League Politics, another right-wing site, uh, has a headline that's got me scratching my head. Judge Jackson sentenced the Pizzagate gunman. Well, yeah, she was on the court in Washington, D.C., and that's kind of where it happened. And surprise, surprise, but uh, therefore we shouldn't vote for her? I mean, or, you know, Republicans shouldn't vote for her. It's bizarre. It's just absolutely bizarre what's going on right now. So, anyhow, that, all that said, let's pick your phone calls back up here. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Hey, not too much, Tom. Yeah, you made an important point when you talked about the fate of democracy oh. and what's going on in the Ukraine, basically. Right. Vladimir Putin gave a speech where he mentioned, you know, the fifth column in Russia. And he talked about, you know, they're basically elitists on Miami Beach eating oysters and foie gras. You know, I had to look up foie gras. I didn't even know what that is. Yeah, it's you know? goose liver. Yeah, fat and sort of like eel. We don't even really generally get it in the United States because of animal cruelty things. But the point is, is, okay, let me connect this to Josh Hawley, okay? I heard a Republican saying Josh Hawley is just an upstart. He represents a small fringe of the Republican Party, and he's representing Judge Jackson about some crazy QAnon stuff like the international pedophile ring and stuff like this. But basically, this all links back to her representing one of the Guantanamo Bay, somebody that was in Mm -hmm. Guantanamo Bay. And let me tell you something, with these Trumpers and this QAnon, I mean, we can dismiss it, right? We can dismiss it. But it's actually very powerful. And it goes back to Vladimir Putin. What Vladimir Putin and Josh Hawley and a bunch of them are saying is, Liberals like Tom Hartman are just out of touch. They're eating foie gras, whatever. They're they're talking about, you know, the North Pole having, you know, a temperature variance and everything. And they're not really practical. And what I'm afraid of is, like, if they don't get ahead of their skis and if they're patient, even Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, in his hour of desperation, he's actually saying some pretty dangerous things. Like, for instance, you know, he's talking about this could lead to World War III if the international community doesn't act. And the thing is, is that gives Russia an impetus, right? It gives them, like, if something does happen, they can say, look, we're not trying to oppress anybody. We're just trying to salvage a bad situation. 
And and actually, I think China's getting in on it, too, because China's talking about the, the Indo-Pacific realignment basically is a NATO expansion into their affairs, their international mm-hmm. affairs. Right. And this whole thing is really precarious. And I guess my main point is is we need to understand that in the 21st century, people are generally united in their opposition to blowing up the houses of non-combatants. Yeah. As, as a form of legitimate warfare. Right. And, and that's real. That's real. That's something we all need to stay behind. I hear liberals do it, too. They say, America, they're still falling for what we did. They're saying America's military is nothing but um, America's military is just a charity organization. We're just going around when, in fact, we don't build all these bombs and bullets and stuff to, you know. Yeah, they're not people, for charity. Basically. They're absolutely not for charity. One of these days, Dave, I want to ask you if you think that Putin is bluffing about World War III. There's a fascinating debate going on on the Internet about this. You know, should we even seriously worry about that? Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. just wanted to share a couple of uh, factoids and uh, a little personal anecdote with you that I think you, know, might, you might find interesting. First of all, remember the Snake Island sailors when the uh, Russian warship came along? This was, uh, you know, they were manning a, um, I, I think it was, you know, some kind of a variation on a lighthouse, basically. And uh, the Russian, uh, you know, warship came along and said, you know, surrender. And they said, go F yourself. Uh, we thought for a while that they had all died. It turns out that uh, this was uh, 10 Ukrainian servicemen and 19 civilians defending the island. Uh, it turns out they were just freed in a prisoner swap. The Russians are getting some of their prisoners back, and the Ukrainians got back the people from Snake Island, the heroes of Snake Island. So, um, <laughs> nice story. It, to, put, to put what's happening in Russia in context, I. I just want to share a, a, a very quick story with you. I, t- I tell this story in, in one of my books, in a book called The Prophet's Way. Back in, in 1991, 
I was in, uh, I was working with an international relief organization that was helping to build a, a new community, essentially, an agricultural project in um, Kaliningrad, or in the, in the countryside, up near the Polish border, but it was in the Kaliningrad part of Russia. And um, I was staying with a family. The, the wife was German, and the husband was Russian, and she spoke both Russian and German. Uh, he only spoke Russian. I spoke English and German, so she and I would talk in German. And uh, that's how I, you know, figured out what was going on. And we were at the, and we were at their house one afternoon, and uh, the TV was on. And this guy came on the TV, and he was waving his arms around and shouting and pounding on the table, and 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 then he, his voice got very pleading and, yeah, and, and it was just all in Russian. And I had no idea what was going on. And 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 then suddenly. She, this, this German-Russian woman, breaks into laughter, and her husband is looking at her completely mystified. What? Why are you laughing at what's going on on the TV? And so I turned to her in, in German. I said, you know, what are you laughing about? And she said, that's Vladimir Zhirinovsky on the TV. And, but, and I'm telling you this story because Zhirinovsky died today, um, and, and he's like, the, 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 he's like Russia's version of, of geez, I, I, you know, I was going to say George Wallace, but he was to the right of George Wallace. I mean, you know, Zhirinovsky was, uh, you know, almost a Nazi. He was, he was about as far right as you can get in Russia. And a demagogue at that, you know, a, a real, a real, uh, you know, a, a brilliant orator. Uh, you know, I, I watched him on television and just I didn't hear, I didn't understand a word he said, but I knew what he was, you know, the essence of what he was saying. So anyhow, she says, that's, that's Vladimir Zhirinovsky on TV and he's running for the presidency. This was the election where they elected uh, Boris Yeltsin. It was literally the first election in Russian in the thousand year history of Russia. Let that sink in for a minute. The first election in a thousand years. And so anyhow, so I said, so what are you laughing about? And she says, well, well, uh, Zhirinovsky just said that if, if you vote for him, he will get you a liter of vodka and a chicken. Or maybe it was a turkey. I, my recollection is that it was a turkey, but that doesn't make sense. It was probably a chicken. But in any case, uh, you know, it was a variation of what, a Huey Long, a chicken in every pot or something. And, and she, she thought that was ridiculous, you know, because, I mean, she was, she was born and grew up in Germany. She understood how elections worked and, and you know, that that's just crazy. But then the TV had flashed to this uh, kind of 1960s news set, you know, like the, you saw on, on television back in the day where, it, you know, there were sitting be, two people sitting behind a desk and behind them is, is, a, is a, a, a plywood painted like the world, you know, with a map of the world and stuff you know, news commentators, and they were having this really serious conversation. And, and she points to the TV and she says, and now they're discussing, they're trying to figure out where's he going to get all the turkeys or where's he going to get all the chickens from, you know, to give to people. Like they're taking it seriously. And her husband, of course, being Russian, had never in his life been exposed to an election, and uh, I mean a real election, and, and, and he was like, hey, you know, let's get that chicken and that vodka. And uh, so that, you know, when you understand that this whole democracy thing is very new in many parts of the world. I mean, we've had it here for 240 some odd years, but for many people in the world, for arguably the majority of people on this planet, it's a brand new thing.
And so, you know, there's, there's going to be some stumbles, there's going to be some difficulties all around the world. And obviously democracy didn't stick in Russia, in large part thanks to Milton Friedman and, and uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, and, and frankly the Clinton administration as well, who all encouraged basically the rise of oligarchy in Russia. The, they encouraged Milton Friedman's so-called shock therapy. It didn't work in Chile, so he thought, well, we'll try it in Russia and see, you know, eventually we'll get it right. Well, they never got it right. They literally never got it right. And, uh, and that's what happened, and uh, Russia turned into an oligarchy. But anyhow, the, the founding grandfather of modern Russian fascism, Vladimir Zhirinovsky, is dead. Uh, so, enough of that. Pick, let's pick up your phone calls here. Kevin in Santa Rosa, California. Hey, Kevin, K, thanks for listening to KNYP. What's up? Hi there. Okay, so uh, David K. Johnston published an op-ed in the New York Daily News about how the prosecution in New York of Donald Trump can continue. This is in um, uh, D.A. Bragg's uh, venue. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Uh, okay. No. Uh, what it says is uh, our New York Constitution says the New York Governor Hochul can take the case away from D.A. Alvin Bragg and give it to the New York Attorney General Letitia James. I read that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you read that? Okay. No, I, I, I didn't read the whole article, but I read a summary of it. Um, do you think, is there any indication, Kevin, that that's actually going to happen? Well, I don't know. Maybe some uh, phone action is in order. So it's time to lobby the governor of New York. Possibly. I'm, I don't live in New York, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was held up in 1997 uh, when uh, Governor George Pataki did it uh, by the New York Supreme Court. So, um, so there's precedent. And they said there's nothing to rule on. It's just very clearly laid out in the Constitution. Right. Huh. And Pat Thurston on KGO Radio in San Francisco interviewed David K. Johnston, mm-hmm. and he laid out the exact wording that the governor needs to use, and there's a half-hour podcast of that posted on the Internet. Fascinating. Okay, Kevin, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Sure. Great to hear from uh-huh. you. John in Chicago. Hey, John, what's up? Yeah, I got a quick question for you. Um, I've always been intrigued with it. When an individual or a country's bank accounts are sanctioned and down the road if those sanctions are basically lifted or Tom, what I really want to know is who is collecting the interest dividends income from the sanction accounts there's two ways the sanctions can work one is that they freeze your assets the other is that they seize your assets if your assets are just frozen uh, say you've got you know money sitting in a checking account that pays or a savings account that pays interest, then the interest continues to accrue, and when your assets are eventually released, you get the money plus the interest. If your assets are seized, you just lose everything. The Russian accounts, those are not seized. Those are probably so just far. frozen. So far, there there are a few that they're talking about seizing, um, but to the best of my knowledge, most of them have simply been frozen. Yeah. So those accounts are still active. They're still generating income, interest, dividends. They're just not available. They're just not available. Concerned. Now, there, there are, I believe that there might be some that they have seized. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't you know, have right in front of me the, the details or the nuance of that. Um, uh, I recall, I think it was last week in the Financial Times, there was a, a rather lengthy article about you know, uh, when does seizure start? And, you know, at what point do we start seizing these assets rather than simply, and, and some of the, um, uh, as opposed to simply freezing them. Um, 
So let me, let me do a little homework on that, John, to give you a definitive answer, because I frankly don't know where the dividing line is in terms of what... You see, you know, if you, if you the freeze them, if you freeze them, then there's the money to rebuild Ukraine. Yeah, so well, just, if you seize them, there's the money to rebuild Ukraine. Yes, bingo. absolutely. I'm, right. I'm, I'm totally with you. Uh, spot on. Thank you, John. Welcome back. Well, Donald Trump is having a hissy fit, He's, and I think his day just got a whole lot worse. It was reported that Donald Trump has sued Hillary Clinton for trying to make him look like he's Putin's puppet. <laughs> I'm not making this up. He has sued Hillary Clinton for making him look like he's Putin's puppet. It's, it's just that's, that's straightforward. And then Joe Biden did a press conference in Brussels, and one of the reporters basically said, you know, one of the big concerns we have here in Europe, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, is that we might end up, America might end up with Donald Trump or another president just like Donald Trump, but specifically they were talking about Trump, might end up with Donald Trump again. He's talking about running in 2024. He's got $100 million in his war chest. Please reassure us, or words to that effect. And uh, Joe Biden's response was, uh, the next election, I'd be very fortunate if I had that same man running against me. <laughs> you know, basically making fun of Trump. And then, you know, this, this suing Hillary Clinton, he says, this is an unthinkable plot. That was his word, his, his phrase. Clinton engaged in an unthinkable plot to make it appear that he was colluding with Putin to undermine her presidency, or her candidacy, rather, and, and become elected president. Under the guise of opposition research, data analytics, and other political stratagems, the defendants nefariously sought to sway the public's trust, the lawsuit states. They work together with a single self-serving purpose to vilify Donald J. Trump. Indeed, their far-reaching conspiracy was designed to cripple Trump's bid for presidency by fabricating a scandal that could be used to trigger an unfounded federal investigation and ignite a media frenzy. Really? I seem to remember Donald Trump's son and a bunch of people who were working on his campaign meeting with a Russian agent and saying, very cool, I seem to remember Donald Trump saying, Russia, if you're listening. I seem to remember Trump, you know, when, when Russia listened and hacked uh, the DNC, I seem to remember Trump using that information. What? I don't know what I'm missing here. But I guess this is actually probably going to be good news, because that means that Hillary Clinton's lawyers now get to engage in discovery. They get to depose people in the Trump campaign and say, okay, what were you really up to? You got nothing to hide? Let's talk about it. All righty. Let's uh, pick up your phone calls here. Daniel in Socorro, New Mexico. Hey, Daniel, what's on your mind today? Hi, Hi Tom. I am a voter registration agent with the county of Socorro. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, we set it up to go to our local high school mm -hmm. with our county clerk and uh, register all the prospective voters that will be voting in the next election. And we've already done that again for this year. We'll be spending Wednesday at the high school in registering the kids. And i just like to get the word out around the nation that anyone who is a voter registration agent or knows one, that now is the time to get that done before the primary and then again before the voting in November. And in some states before the window for registration closes. 
Yes, ours closes May 5th, and right. so wanted to get this for the primary. The other, I just don't know how to get the word out all across the nation, but I know that your program is a good place to start. Did you did you do this, Daniel, as an outgrowth of activism within the party, or did you just say, hey, I want to help the elections? I wanted to just help people get registered to vote. Our local Democratic Party isn't, and our state party, to me, are not the most progressive. Mm -hmm. And I just want to get kids registered. It's nonpartisan. Our county clerk is going to go with us. So she's a Democrat, happens to be a Democrat, but we'll register anyone. And I go to other things whenever there's a parade or things like that, set up a little table with registered to vote here and now. And I just find it's my way of doing something. Yeah, uh, I, I get it. That's wonderful. Daniel, I salute you. Thank you so much for the call and, and uh, tip of the hat to you. Damon in Denver. Hey, Damon, what's up? Hi, Tom. Hey. I have some observations about what Senator Braun said the other day and from the Katanji Brown Jackson hearings. Okay. Which senator did you say, Braun or? Because it says here you were calling about Cornyn. Right. Cornyn, Cornyn went on and on about substantive due process, and he talked a lot about Oberfeld and whether or not— Which is gay marriage. Uh, the Supreme, yes, yes, which, which gay marriage. And then you had, the other day, Braun from Indiana— Mike you know, Braun, the, the, uh, the both, Republican. Right. Both of them running the mill, you know, Christian types— right-wing Christian types, and uh, Braun, I mean, I watched this clip over and over again, and I just couldn't understand how easily it was for him to transition from regulating abortion to loving and interracial marriage, and then, and then contraceptives. It was, all, it was all a continuous string, and I know he walked it back because he had to, but um, when I look at what Braun said and when I look at Cornyn, and to some extent Lee, but really Cornyn. Cornyn really just seemed so upset that the Supreme Court said it was okay for gay people to marry. And they just think, I guess it's just deep in who they are, that they think states should be able to do anything they want without interference from from SCOTUS. I don't think it's even that large and philosophical, Damon. I think they just want to take America back to the 1950s. You know, they want to take America back before the Voting Rights Act, before the Civil Rights Act, before, obviously, before, uh, uh, you know, uh, gay marriage was decriminalized or legalized by the Supreme Court, before trans people were out and accepted. I mean, they, they just, you know, the, it, it, is, it is deep within this party. And I think, the, and, and I, it's not just I think, I mean, you know, there's a well-documented, um, one of the reasons why Putin has been so popular among Republicans until this recent invasion of Ukraine is that he's doing the same thing in Russia. He's, he's you know, trashing LGBTQ people. He's, he's uh, you know, promoting racism and homophobia and things like that. And, and I think that that's what you're seeing. That, that's the Republican Party's brand. In fact, I would, I would add as a kind of a, a, a codicil to, the, to our conversation about Katanji uh, uh, Brown-Jackson, you know, Judge Jackson, that what we saw yesterday is how these people are going to be running for office in November of this year and in November of 2024. It's, it's going to be all about race. It's going to be all about crime. 
and the pedophilia thing is, you know, that's all QAnon stuff. They're, they're just trying to bring in the, the QAnon voters. They're trying to bring in the racist voters. You know, this is what they're going to be running on. These, these are their so-called issues. So, um, you know, get ready. Damon, thanks for the call. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Richard in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Richard, what's up? Hello, Tom. Thank you for another enlightening and uh, sometimes fearful show. Appreciate that. (laughs) I wanted to just bring up a topic with a corollary that the sanctions against the Russian oligarchs may still not have gone far enough with a glaring, obvious example in our midst of Russian money going through what I'd call the Trump laundromat. And I'd like to suggest that maybe we should be looking at seizing Trump properties mm-hmm. as, as just an extension of our actions against these oligarchs. Yeah. I, he, may not be, he may not be Russian in, uh, in, in his upbringing, but he's certainly a Russian in spirit. And then, so, so right along with that, then what we ought to do is erect a huge wall around this property down there and rename it Gulagalago. <laughs> Gulagalago. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Richard, that Donald Trump is a, uh, a wholly owned subsidiary of Putin's Russia. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I, I think that that's been the case since the late 90s when he had his last bankruptcy and he just became, you know, more and more desperate that's for right. money. And, and I think the money came in from, from Russia's oligarchs and not just Russia's oligarchs, but they were they were sufficiently uh, uh, prominent that that's that's what we ended up with. And and we'll see where the January 6th committee's investigations go. But I have a feeling they're going to go there. Thank you very much for the call, Richard. Joel in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, Joel, what's on your mind today? Well, I'm calling today. Can you hear me? I can. Yes, sir. Okay, good. Well, I'm the son of a woman that was assaulted outside of a Trump rally in 2016 in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And we have, well, our family has fought against Project Veritas. And we ultimately lost, I guess you would say. But um, inside that case is evidence of um, coordination with the Trump campaign. And I just briefly want to kind of give you a a little overview. The local lawyer that represented the man that assaulted my mom coordinated with Breitbart. I can give you specific names. It's all in depositions. I could probably get in a little bit of trouble for talking about this, but... um, Let's keep it it more general then, Joel. Okay. Well, specifically, I'm calling because of Citizens United is a direct correlate to my mom getting hurt on the streets of America. Basically, when they opened up the kind of communications that uh, they did when they opened up the Citizens United Pandora, basically, they, as we know, as you know, not all Americans know this, but basically, we're dealing with psychological warfare. 
and Steve Bannon and Andrew Breitbart and Trump are so connected and they don't talk about it. It's so connected from 2011, 2012, when Breitbart reached out to Trump and they groomed him. They absolutely groomed him to become president. Not that they knew that he would become, but they actually put a lot of interest behind him by getting guys from Breitbart to write his policy books. Yeah, they figured he would be their useful idiot. Exactly. And I just know that what's inside this case is so important to the discussion and for the future of our democracy. But um, I'm having a hard time finding uh, people that want to get into it. And I think mostly because of the litigiousness of the Project Veritas people. Yeah. And they'll, that's their mission. Their mission is to actually take down media through litigation. However, lo, uh, recently there was a, a small victory. Washington Post, I believe, won in a recent defamation. Uh, they dismissed uh, yeah. Project Veritas's claim. I get, I get very, very uh, concerned, I guess would be the right word, even with people that I strongly disagree with, like Project Veritas, who represent themselves as the press, when you know yes. uh, courts start going after them now, if if people are telling lies, you know, for fun and profit, then you know that's that's one thing. But well, let me make one more point. I, I, there's another case coming up later this year dealing with the Democracy Partners, mm-hmm. and ultimately, are they spies or are they the press? And if they're the spies and they do coordinate with um, the far right Republicans, then they're not the press. They're something very dangerous. Yeah, well, again, I mean, we have to be very, very careful in these kind of cases, Joel. The, the, the media is the fourth estate. I mean, the media is, is right at the core of any functioning democracy. Joel, thanks for the call. Back with your calls after this break. It's the Tom Hartman program, Defending America from the Weapons of Mass Deception. Welcome back. Hey, I've got a geeky science for you, and then I'll pick up your phone calls. Microplastic pollution. This, the, microplastics have been found in human blood for the first time. Now, we've been talking about this for years, you know, that there's little, little tiny plastic. Like, if you drink bottled water, for example, it bottle, bottles of, uh, or canned water, both, you know, because they, they're both processed through plastic tubes that are used to fill the bottles. And in, and in plastic bottles, it's even worse because you've got the plastic bottle itself. You could have as many as, you know, 10,000 particles of microplastic in a bottle of water. I mean, you can't see them. They're, 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 they're micro, right? They're micro. So, but it has been, microplastic has been detected in human blood for the first time. And the scientists found the tiny particles in almost 80% of people tested. The discovery shows, uh, this is uh, Damian Carrington writing for The Guardian. The discovery shows the particles can travel around the body and may lodge in our organs. Now, we don't yet know what this means, although we do know that plastics can, you know, mess with our hormones and some, some kinds of plastics and some of the chemicals in them may even cause cancer. But whether these microplastics will do that, nobody knows for sure. But they can cause damage to human cells in the laboratory. And we know that air pollution particles, when you breathe them, now, these aren't plastics, but there's a whole variety of other things, you know, like diesel soot and stuff like that. They not only get into the lungs, but they get into the bloodstream and they cause literally millions of early deaths every year. So now we've got this problem of plastic having contaminated literally the entire planet. 
And people are already known to, to consume particles of this through food, through water, through just breathing them in. They've even been found in the feces of babies and adults. That was one of our first clues. But this is Professor Dick Vetthach, an exotoxicologist at a university of Ritt University in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. He says, our study is the first indication that we have polymer particles in our blood. It's a breakthrough result. And then this was the thing that really got me the most. Babies fed with plastic bottles are swallowing millions of microplastic particles every day. If you know anybody who has babies, you know, get them glass bottles if they're bottle feeding. Again, this is from the report. He says, we also know in general that babies and young children are more vulnerable to chemical and particle exposure. That worries me a lot. This was published in the journal Environment International. They were looking at particles as small as 0.0007 of a millimeter. And a millimeter is a little tiny thing to begin with. They used steel syringes and uh, glass tubes to avoid contamination. Because basically, you know, anything that the plastic comes into contact with, bingo, microplastics. This is, this is grim stuff. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how far does this go? Like, you know, I've got a coffee maker at home that I know has plastic tubing inside, you know, for, that handles part of the water. Is that microplastic showing up? Can I get rid of it if I put in a paper filter underneath the, you know, between the coffee and the basket? I don't know the answer to those questions, but I'm guessing that when, as this study comes out and this research comes out, a lot of people are going to start asking. You know, we need to know what's going on. Vicki in East Strasburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, Vicki, what's up? Hey, Tom. I just wanted to comment on the thing about finding microplastics in babies' blood. Uh, there's a way to avoid that, and I know not all, not all mothers can do this, but the more mothers breastfeed, the less they'll have to worry about that. You're absolutely right. You know, and yeah, and I just wanted to put that out there as something to think about. Not only is breastfeeding, not only are you providing your child with food that is pure and yeah. hasn't been processed in giant factories with plastic tubes and things, it's also right. nutritionally perfect. I mean, it's literally three million years of human evolution, fine-tuned yeah. human breast milk down to the point where it is the perfect food for human babies. And, uh, you know, giving human babies cow's milk and things, I get it. You know, some women, like you said, can't breastfeed. But otherwise, wow, we really should. Vicki, thank you so much for the call. Thanks for being with us today. We'll be back same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us, and that includes you. So get out there, get active, tag your it. There's so much you could do. Become a precinct committee person. Seriously. It's, it's, you know, it's available to many people. There's a lot of open spots out there. So get out there and do it. Have a great day. Be good to yourself and the people around you. And pray for peace in the world. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 